Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer and scripture. And uh, we want to invite you to leave your own intentions, as always, in the comments so that we can uh, pray for one another as we put ourselves now in the presence of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we are the people of life. We ask you to bless our nation and protect us from the scourge the ongoing scourge of abortion in our land. We ask you today in particular to bless the people of Ohio as the voting begins on this demonic amendment proposal to the Constitution. Lord, we have no right to kill babies. No Constitution in our nation, federal or state, uh, allows the killing of babies uh, or would require it to be allowed. Lord God, we ask you to come against the deception that is now being perpetrated against the citizens of of Ohio. Come against this deception and enable your people to reject wholeheartedly this amendment, which would not only take away the right to life of these babies, but would take away the right of the people to protect them going forward and even the rights of parents to be involved in the decisions of their young daughters should they face the temptation of abortion. We ask you to bless us. Bless us now as we engage in your your word of life. Speak to us. Send the Holy Spirit who inspired this word to enable us to understand it, faithfully live it, and effectively proclaim it. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So our reading today is from the book of the Prophet Jonah. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry that God did not carry out the evil he threatened against Nineveh. He prayed, I beseech you, Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled at first to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, rich in clemency, loath to punish. And now, Lord, please take my life from me, For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord asked, Have you reason to be angry? Jonah then left the city for a place to the east of it, where he built himself a hut and waited under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. And when the Lord God provided a gourd plant that grew up over Jonah's head, giving shade that relieved him of any discomfort, Jonah was very happy over the plant. But the next morning at dawn, God sent a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun arose, God sent a burning east wind, and the sun beat upon Jonah's head until he became faint. Then Jonah asked for death, saying, I would be better off dead than alive. But God said to Jonah, Have you reason to be angry over the plant? I have reason to be angry, Jonah answered, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You are concerned over the plant, which cost you no labor and which you did not raise. It came up in one night, and in one night it perished. 
And should I not be concerned over Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot distinguish their right hand from their left, not to mention the many cattle? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, um, following the Lord, who is a God of mercy, kindness, forgiveness, does not simply involve receiving that forgiveness ourselves. We are called just as strongly to welcome that forgiveness for others. And this is the challenge, this is the test that Jonah fails in this particular story. He was told actually to bring that mercy to the city of Nineveh. Now, this is the first lesson to come across here. Jonah the prophet called to go into the city of Nineveh and say, 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. How many people would look at that as a fire and brimstone negative message and say instead, oh, but we have to proclaim mercy. Do you know that that's exactly what Jonah was doing? Forty days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. What would, what would many in our church today say about a prophet who would walk through the streets of New York City, Los Angeles, or whatever town or city you live in, and say, 40 days more and New York will be destroyed. Forty days more and America will be destroyed. Unless you repent of your sin. Nineveh did repent. They took the message to heart. Why? Because the Word of God has a power independent of us. We should never lose confidence. We must never lose confidence in the power of the Word. It has a power independent of us. And when we proclaim it, the truth takes root in the human heart better than evil does. Evil might have a louder microphone at times, a bigger platform, more money behind it, more political clout behind it. But only the truth fits into the human mind and heart. So it worked. Nineveh repented. Nineveh repented. And God withdrew his threat of punishment from them and gave them life instead. Now this is what Jonah was angry about. So, but the first thing to recognize is that the prophet's warnings of punishment and call to repentance are actually an expression of God's mercy. God's mercy doesn't come with uh, 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 people who are rejecting it. God doesn't force himself on us. If you're choosing sin, you're rejecting mercy. You embrace mercy once you repent of sin. But why would Jonah be angry that God showed his mercy? And this is where there's a, there's a, there's a certain form of pride that gets in the way and it comes up many times in Scripture that we have to avoid that kind of pride that would just look down on other people and say, oh, you're worthy of the punishment of God, therefore you should get it. And then when God shows those people mercy, we get angry. The mercy God shows to others is a cause for us to rejoice. One of the key places where you see this, uh, this drama being played out, of course, is in the, the parable of the prodigal son right? 
the, 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 the prodigal son goes off and, and wastes his inheritance on uh, loose women and, and uh, sinful living. But then it's the story not only of the father's welcome back of that son when the son repents, but of the problem he had with the other son. This son of yours wastes his inheritance and then comes back and you slaughter the fattened calf. He was jealous of the, of the delight that the father took in the repentant son. Or what about the parable of the workers and those who came on at the last hour of the day got the same day's wage as the ones who had worked all day in the heat. So the ones who worked all day were indignant about that and, and, and the master said, I'm not doing you any injustice. We agreed on the usual daily wage. You did your work. I paid you the, the wage. I didn't cheat you. I just want to be generous to these other people. Are you envious because I am generous? We see this theme come up again and again in the scriptures. Uh, we have the, the uh, Pharisee praying in church, right? Lord, I thank you that I am not like the rest of people, avaricious and lustful and sinful. I am not like the rest or like this tax collector. But then you had him saying, have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. The two attitudes, right? One of humility coming before the Lord, the other one of self-righteousness thinking that they are above the sinners. Brothers and sisters, we see this played out today, and there's a particular challenge within the pro-life movement because we're dealing with the biggest sin, we're dealing with the act of violence that takes more life than anything else as we deal with the problem, the ongoing problem of abortion. And we have in our movement now an entire movement within the movement of people who have had abortions and have repented of it and repent of it publicly. Now that's a courageous step to take. Most people do not want anything known publicly about their abortion, whether they've repented of it or not. And yet there are those who, having found God's forgiveness, having encountered the same mercy as God showed to Nineveh, want to tell others so that others can find that mercy too. As we see them, and even among them former abortionists too, and we have a ministry to the former abortionists uh, uh, that we have carried out since the 1990s, you have people who have killed with their own hands thousands of children coming before the Lord and then coming before us and saying, look, I am a living sign of His mercy. What's the attitude of the people to be? We have our Silent No More campaign. We have our... Uh, members of this campaign, moms, dads, grandparents, and others who were complicit in one way or another with abortion and then found healing, forgiveness, repentance, and the joy of giving their testimony. And the first time that we, we started gathering these people together in, um, in Washington, D.C. at the March for Life, as we still continue to do to this day, we we saw that the rest of the, the pro-life community welcomed them with joy. I remember when uh, we were uh, one particular year marching 
and turned a corner and there were people gathered on the sidewalks on both sides of the street and we turned the corner and these uh, women holding their signs that said I regret my abortion caught the eye of the crowd and people began applauding and they weren't applauding their sin obviously they were all there to protest and grieve abortion they were applauding their repentance they were applauding the fact that they too rejected the very abortion that they had and that they had been welcomed back by the God of mercy. So now these people were doing, when they applauded those silent no more men and women, they were doing exactly the opposite of what Jonah's mistake was here. Instead of resenting the mercy that God showed to somebody else. These people were applauding it. They were welcoming it. They were saying, the mercy shown to you is the mercy he has to me. It's the same love. It's the same will to save. God wills all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I, when I see another person forgiven of their sins, healed and transformed, I am seeing before my very eyes the love God has for me. That's the point. The love, the mercy, the transformation, the healing, the peace, the joy that I can have more of each day if only I embrace it. But I can't embrace that Lord of love and mercy, that fountain of forgiveness and healing, and at the same time reject it if I see it in somebody else. If I reject the forgiveness God has given to somebody else, I'm rejecting His forgiveness for me. And that helps us to understand, doesn't it, why the Lord said when you stand to pray, first forgive and why he tells us to pray in the Our Father, forgive us the way we forgive others. Because it's the same forgiveness. It's, the, it's all the same thing. It's the same God. It's the same mercy. You want to withhold mercy from somebody else? You are acting against the very mercy that you're asking for, for yourself. And we get this self-righteous attitude all around us. People who want to engage in what I call snapshot thinking. They're so arrogant. They think they're humble. They think they're faithful. They think they're pure. And a lot of times they're doing this because they want to feel pure. And they look at somebody else's sin and they, they want them to stay stuck in that sin. They literally want them to stay stuck in it. Oh, their words will say, oh, oh, what you did was terrible. But they don't want to see that person lifted up and restored and repentant and and following again with joy the law of the Lord, they want to freeze them. They want to, it's snapshot thinking. They get, a, they get an idea of somebody in a, in, a, in a particular, maybe they heard a story, or somebody else told them, oh, this person sinned, and they put them in that box, and they keep them there. But that's not how life is. That's not how salvation works. We're always on a journey. We're always changing. We're always walking either towards the Lord or away from the Lord. But if we want forgiveness, we're going to go towards the Lord. And we've got to have a generous enough heart to let other people make that journey. Let other people walk the road of repentance and celebrate their repentance and embrace them in love. If we can't forgive and tolerate the sins that others may have committed that offend us in some way, in any way, whether they're sins against us or sins against somebody else, and we want to feel so self-righteous that we, we come along like a crusader, oh, look at the, the sin you did to this other person. No, I'm going to come against you because of that. I'm going to criticize you because of that. 
they're not celebrating the love of God for themselves. They're engaged in a self-righteous crusade that is actually blocking them from receiving that same forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, let's not ever fall into that trap. Let other people grow beyond the box that you may have put them in in your mind because you heard about some past sin that they committed. Let them grow beyond that. And as they take hold of the repentance, which is a grace from God, as they take hold of the of the mercy, let that make you ever more joyful at the mercy you have received. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the forgiveness that you give to those who have committed abortion, to those, even those abortionists who have killed thousands or tens of thousands of children with their own hands. Lord, bring to us the joy of welcoming others into forgiveness, just as we seek to be welcomed ourselves. May we make this journey together as the body of Christ. May we not reject, look down upon, or judge anyone, but rather may we all walk together in the fervor of your love. Now we pray, as your Son taught us, for forgiveness in the way that we forgive others. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our heavenly mother, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, thanks, friends, for joining me. Be sure to connect with me on social media at Fr Frank Pavone. On all the major platforms, follow and friend and all the usual things that you do on those platforms so that we can stay closely connected in this great journey for life. And uh, remember again, for Ohio, the voting has begun. This is terrible amendment called Issue 1. And um, not only does it impose abortion on demand, but, uh, but it takes away the right of the people to make changes in the future to protect these babies. The Ohio, the Ohio uh, voters have already spoken through their legislators and they've passed measures to protect babies even from the time the heartbeat is detected. So if, if this amendment has any support whatsoever statistically among the people, it's a false measure of where the people of Ohio really stand on abortion. Let's pray that that does not make any further progress. So thanks friends and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.